yeah, 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 I was ain't open that mouth, but if she's talking, we're open that mouth, if it's ain't something, we're open the out, and then it's open, it's open the out, and then it's back, and it's part of the time, and now from an undisclosed location, you are now tuned in to the Xander Effect with host Xander Dane. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames, alongside with my co-compatriot, Mr. Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? Uh, just licking my wounds after this week in fantasy football. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> I barely won that one, man. It's a weird week for fantasy football. It was just a weird nightmare, man. <laughs> Dude, I mean, out of nowhere, all these like rookies that were like on the bench just came out and performed no names like you called them. It was like, what in the world just happened? But uh, yeah, we'll get into that uh, in a bit. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Xander Effect, uh, the place where you get... Uh, you know, part of the best uh, entertainment, sports, and video game news, along with up-and-coming artists. And we have a guest today. Uh, his name is Simon Lunch, uh, a, a very, very talented uh, rising star. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk with him today, uh, talk to him about uh, how he got started in the industry. And we'll also feature his brand new single that just came out last week called Grace. Well, you know, it's a part of an album that he just put out. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but Man, I gotta tell you, uh, it's hard not to address the elephant in the room as it pertains to yesterday's or last night's presidential debacle. I mean, debate. Um, <laughs> no, I think your first word was accurate. <laughs> I was just, man, I, it was it was hard not to watch. It was kind of like it was kind of like one of those uh, instances where you see a wreck or an accident on the side of the road, and it's hard not to slow down and just not look at it because it was just like, yeah. I have to agree with Trevor Noah here on this one. I really do. I loved his take on this. And seriously, he said, I've never wished for a commercial break more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and truthfully, that's how I felt. I couldn't watch more than 10 minutes at a time because it was that ridiculous. I, I mean, it... it I'm sorry, one candidate was acting like a four-year-old, and I mean, I hate to go there, but, you know, it was it was a shit show, as was said by many pundits on TV, and uh, man, Trevor just had an amazing take on it all around. He just, it was, it was a nightmare watching it last night. It was, it was one of those things where I even, like, I dude, I, I went on a social media tirade last night briefly during the debate, and I just posted things like, I'm waiting for one of them to say, live from New York! It's Saturday night, you know? Oh, Something God, like that. seriously. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for, and it never happened. I was like, okay, so this is a real debate. <laughs> I mean, and I use the term real debate extremely loosely. Loosely, yeah. And, and can I say, I may not be generally his biggest fan, although I don't have many problems with him. I think he's a very good reporter. But, uh, man, Mr. Wallace did a... Uh, 
fabulously uh, failing job of trying to keep control. I gotta say, he fought the good fight, but he was outmatched from the start. Uh, oh, I, 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 I mean, I really did. He really tried, and I respect him for trying to keep the reins on that to some degree. But man, it was he was not up to the task. Yeah, it was it was difficult to referee that that uh, debate last. Well, it's funny you brought up referee because that was one of Trevor's other brilliant quotes was, we don't need a moderator, we need a referee. Because that's what UFC. it was. He said, we need a UFC referee, Dana White, get on this. Yeah, dude, and you know what? It's funny that Trevor mentioned that because I that's that was one of the posts that I that I posted last night on social media. I was like, I'm this this is like a UFC uh, press conference. That's that's what this is. You know, I'm waiting for the post press conference uh, face off and the photo op. You know, you know, seriously, what it felt like? I felt like I was listening to Conor McGregor yeah, go thank off you. for ninety I just, minutes. I just I felt mentioned like I was that. Listening to Conor McGregor go off for ninety minutes. I mentioned insane. that. I mentioned that to my to our executive producer Quest. I told him I was like, dude, this is like a Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather press conference. That's all this was the entire time, and I was just like, dude, this is this is crazy. This is nuts. I even said I was like, you know what? After this, Chris Wallace deserves to go and really get effed up after this. <laughs> like he needs oh, dude. a drink after this. Chris, Chris didn't need a drink. Chris needed a bottle after that. <laughs> it's so bad. That's oh, one of those. Okay. You walk into the bar and the bartender comes up and you just say, "Leave the bottle." Yeah, pretty much. Just actually, you know what? Make it a double. <laughs> At that point, oh, dude, it was just and and you know what? It's it's just it's crazy, and we laugh. Because we have no other choice but to laugh at that entire situation when really it's like Deadpool said it best. <laughs> laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. Um, because it was just so hard to watch. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I I, I, I was at a loss for words. I was at a loss for words. I, I, could, I just couldn't really, like, comprehend what was happening. I mean, it honestly, for me, is the crowning achievement of... American democracy absolutely falling into or completing its journey into the shambles it's in right now. I mean, this is every bit of it has become a shit show. Every, I mean, on, on I'm you know me, I am partial. I'm an independent, but I, I have my opinions about what's going on right now. But on both sides, I mean, everything, the Senate, the everybody's um politicized everything everybody has weaponized everything votes have become weaponized in the senate in the house in the it's it's absolutely a a shit show all around and this this is the the sprinkles on the shit sunday of of american politics right now and you know what? I mean, uh, after last night's debate, Wolf Blitzer said it best. He said uh, that basically, you know, the United States ha- has uh, all its all their rivals, all the rivals that the U.S. has are applauding oh, yeah. right now. They're 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 applauding. They're laughing because they can see that right now there's nothing but chaos going on. The dysfunction is palpable. It's just it's so it's so palpable. And and that's that's something that's honestly, you know, it, that's something that's scary. 
it's a scary situation because the U.S. is known to be a country that we have control. We have full control of what's going on. We have, you know, uh, we have uh, 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 order in everything that we do. And this 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 debate showed the the exact opposite of everything that we represent. You know, in the eyes of the entire world. Dude, I hate to be this fatalistic about it, but this is the kind of stuff that brings down empires. You either fix this type of shit or the empire and the republic cease to exist. If you're a student of history, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, all of them, this is how this shit falls apart. And, is, and that's the truth. And if we don't come together and start fixing it, we're done. That's it. And that's the truth. And that's the bottom truth. And that's that's the bottom line. I mean, I and and last night, I mean, it's just it's and that's the first debate. That's the first one. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, we're we only more we're, we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg at the moment. I mean, we 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 got two more of these. I mean, I, I don't know how much more we can take. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just sitting back and I'm just like and I knew this was going to happen. And we talked about this last night. You and I, you and I both knew that, th- like, this is this is what was to be expected. Like, it's funny because I laughed uh, the entire time I was watching this, but at the same time, I was like, I'm not surprised because the, the there's, these are two gentlemen, again using that word loosely, um, that basically wanted to have it at, have it out. They wanted to go ahead and just go all out. Like they've been talking crap about each other back and forth to the press, to everybody for the past few months, ever since, you know, the the new candidate was announced. So this is their opportunity to finally have a face to face and go at it against one another completely. I just and I expected this to go out. I mean, I was telling everybody, I was like, oh, I'm ready for Tuesday because, man, it's on. It's it's on. This is going to be a fight. Like, but I didn't actually think it was actually going to be literally a fight. Like, I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I expected it to be pretty heated. I didn't expect it to go that that badly, that awry. I, I honestly did. I mean, I hate to be that way, but <laughs> I did. I didn't see it going any other way, and I have my own reasons behind that. But yeah, it, uh, dude, I, I just, I can't say anything else but it was a nightmare to watch. I, like I said, had to turn it off regularly um, because I just could not continue with that nonsense. There was only so much of it I could take at one time. And and here's the thing. We're not even, like you and I, we're not even talking about our political point of views. No. Because that's not what this show's about. What we're nope. talking, what we're mainly focused on is how completely disorganized that debate was last night i think was, dysfunctional is the is the appropriate word i like that word better yes correct it was a dysfunctional debate and whether you're left wing right wing independent doesn't matter you gotta admit nothing was solved last night zero was solved last night zero yeah. questions were answered last night every single time that that you know that 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 questions were asked for a specific topic both would go around him they wouldn't answer the question directly well, dude, they would honestly honestly i don't think any candidate has actually answered a question as to what they're going to do in years you it's think, been many it's been many that- many debates since 
since anybody actually presented the real plan during a debate. You saying that doesn't doesn't actually give me much, you know, confidence here. <laughs> You say that. You say that. I mean, I know, and I know it's a fact, but it's an unfortunate fact because you're not, you're, not, you're not giving me much confidence either in this one as well. Well, it's it's again, it's modern day politics. You know, it's it's this one sided propaganda barrage, and both sides do it. And there's you're not allowed any room in the middle anymore. Nobody has room for compromise. And you know me, I am a compromise guy so uh man I'm but I, just, I mean at, I'm at so the end done of the day right now well I mean at the end of the day you know regardless if you know as you as you pointed out there has never been an actual answer to any of the questions directly but at least there was some sort of decorum Yes, some sort of civility, some amount of respect, respect for the person exactly. across from you. It it just doesn't exist right now. It's just it's, it's been thrown out the window. It is so bad, and I'm looking forward to the second. One. <laughs> I guess maybe call me a masochist. I think you, know? you are a little bit. Dude, I, I, I'm not. I have to tell you. I'm not. After last night, I, I, I don't want to have to sit through another 90 minutes like that. It's... <laughs> Oh my God! It's I would honestly rather slide down a razor blade banister into a pool of lemon juice. Spread eagle. Thank you for that visual. <laughs> naked, right? Naked, naked. You forgot to mention naked. Spread eagle. <laughs> Thanks for that visual, Jeremy. On You're that welcome. note, on that note, coming up next in entertainment news, The Lion King has a follow-up. Uh, the live action, you're going to love this because I know how much you love the live action stuff uh, <laughs> from Disney. Uh, they're actually making a sequel about it. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is CC Peniston's Finally, right here on the Sandra Effect.
This is AB. Hey guys, this is Sean Kanan. What's going on? It's Amanda Holly. Hey, Jeremy Miller from Growing Pains here. This is Maxim Model Riley Sawyer. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effect. Something you could buy with balloons. Yep. Hey. Celebrate all I hate, huh? Jingle bells all the way, huh? Chris Kringle on the sleigh, huh? Give her gifts to convey what you really wanna say, huh? Shake her hips to persuade, huh? You got hurt, but it never went away. Letting go, what a difference it can make, huh? But if it's just on what it takes, huh? How many times do I have to pay for my mistakes? Give them grace. Sorry, I don't know how to love, baby. TV or some stupid CD or some pimp brother telling me how I should be, how I should treat a woman that's a hoe like you really would know. There's a few things that I'm really good for, like a really good show or a really good flow. Bit a good game right until we get close. When it comes to love, man, I really wouldn't know. I've been lying to it like I got a wooden nose. If I told you the truth, then your heart get broke. Gone like smoke, buy me a river, we drown in the boat till our bodies just float. Sorry, I don't know how to love, baby. Never show me. You can't control me. That's why I'm lonely. Mom never told me. Dad never showed me. You can't control me. That's why I'm lonely. Mom never told me. Dad never showed me. You can't control me. That's why I'm lonely. Mom never told me. Dad never showed me. You can't control me. That's why I'm lonely. Sorry, I don't know how to love, baby. Love, 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 love. Daddy never told me how to treat a lady. Love, 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 love. Probably would've stayed if my mama would've let him. John Doe's A Sorry Love, right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, 
Jeremy looks like the Lion King live action is getting a sequel. And I'm sure you're you're oh joy that oh, right oh, joy I'm thrilled I could tell I could tell that you're like jumping for joy and having and doing backflips right now yeah you know because the first live one left so much to be desired it was so wonderful I, I, I fell asleep during the first live one I, I don't blame you it was so bad but looks like uh, Disney decided to go ahead I mean you know because Disney Plus I mean since it's out there. And quite frankly, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure if this is for Disney Plus, but um, I mean, why would they actually make it for an actual theater? But I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, apparently uh, Disney's going to go ahead and uh, and uh, do the sequel to the Lion King live action. Hell, even the sequel and the cartoon version kind of sucked. I'm not even going to lie. Like I saw the sequel and I fell asleep during the cartoon one too. I mean, I, let me just say, Disney's not exactly known for strong sequels. Okay, I'm. I am. I understand why the business model changed, but the moment Disney started doing sequels, it all went out the window. It did. It, you never had sequels for any of the classics. Every bit of that was a money grab for direct-to-video stuff and everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm i sorry. They're at their best when they use an original and creative idea and they do something brilliant. When they try and go on beyond that, all they're doing is their usual Disney money grab and it ends up ruining everything. Yeah, and and it seems that, uh, it seems that, that that was the case back then. But apparently, according, uh, according to news, reports it seems that it's not going to be like the cartoon sequel it's going to be different and uh it's going to be directed by barry jenkins he was uh, responsible for uh, uh moonlight and if beale street could talk uh he's going to be uh directing the 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 new the 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 new the sequel to the lion king uh he goes on to say quote helping my sister raise two young boys during the 90s i grew up with these characters having the opportunity to work with disney on expanding this magnificent tale of friendship, love, and legacy while furthering my work chronicling the lives and souls of folk within the Africa African uh, diaspora is a dream come true. So he's, he's very ecstatic about it. And uh, obviously we know that the first uh, live action uh, film of the Lion King was uh, directed by, uh, by John, uh, John Favre, Favre. And, uh, it, it came out to mixed reviews, actually. I mean, as <laughs> your opinion and my opinion is one thing, but apparently it, it did come out to mixed reviews. Uh, it basically it generated uh, over one point five billion dollars at the global box office. If you could actually believe that, I can. I mean, they have the Disney global marketing behind it, so. I mean, but here's the thing: it's it's like I think the reason mainly why it was it generates so much because it was because it was one of the first live action movies that they had that they had converted from cartoon, and I think that's what people were looking forward to. Not to mention, I mean, Disney when it comes to promotions and stuff like that, they're really good at that. They're really good at hyping up a movie as as crappy as it may be. They're really good at that. So, I mean, that I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I, I would agree completely. So, I mean, I'm, I, you know, honestly, I'm going to go ahead and uh, look forward to that. 
And, uh, you know, I'm curious. I'm not looking forward to the movie. I'm curious to see how it's going to do. Uh, Disney so far has not has not re- uh, released uh, any more information as far as release dates or filming or anything like that. They haven't released that just yet. So who knows? I mean, we don't know if it's actually going to be in theaters or if it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. At this point, it's anybody's guess. It's kind of like fantasy football. It's anybody's guess at this point. Um, so we'll go ahead and see what happens with that. In other entertainment news, looks like Gabrielle Union went ahead and reached a settlement with America's Got Talent over the toxicity of the workplace uh, accusations and everything. And, uh, you know, it seems that they, the former judge uh, has uh, has been heard and there has been, you know, there has been, you know, it's been resolved and everything uh, over what happened. Um, at this point in time, it seems that, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, things have, things have calmed down, so to speak. Um, and NBC went ahead and, and they, they made a statement. They said, quote, we've reached an amicable resolution. NBC Entertainment appreciates the important concerns raised by Gabrielle Union and remains committed to ensuring an inclusive and supportive working environment where people of all backgrounds can be treated with respect. So obviously, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, this is this is common knowledge, but in case you haven't heard, uh, in case you've been under a rock this entire time, uh, Gabrielle Union basically uh, she she had many complaints about uh, racial inequality. Uh, you know deriving from Simon Cowell, uh, you know, racial inequality, uh, sexist, you know, attitudes, things like that. Um, and it was, she basically targeted Simon of all people. Uh, basically, she complained about him being uh, racist, health violations uh, in the form of uh, Simon's uh, smoking on set. And, 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 and basically, when that happened, they labeled her as being difficult to work with. Now that's that's not fair. She was asking for things that were very they're viable on set, you know, but of course Simon being the diva that he is, he basically would do what he wants. He was also one of the producers, the executive producers of the show as well. So all of this prompted to her being pretty much let go of the show. And it's like, dude, seriously, you you think you're going to get away with that? You're not. So it looks like they they reached uh, they reached a settlement on this. Well, I mean, you had to assume they would. Um, again, when you have somebody whose show it is, who is the creator, who is the producer, who is not only the star but is everything to that show, yeah, you're in a situation where most of the time they feel like they can do whatever they want. So I don't know how things went down on that set, but that is his baby start to finish. So, um, I mean, I'm just saying that in this business, I, if I walked on a set and it's his, I, I wouldn't say crap. I mean, I know how it works. So I would go in there expecting that. Now, given she has plenty of clout, she can speak up. There's no problem with her doing that. I'm not criticizing her for doing that, but that's something that is extremely common. And one of the reasons you see so many problems on Hollywood sets. So I'm curious. Do you think that after all this, because I've always I've always thought that when you even if you settle, even if you're in the right, even if uh, if you seem to be the person that was actually the victim of the situation, I still feel that deep down inside and behind closed doors, they, they might blacklist you. I mean, do you think that that might be the case here? 
I think some people might. It's not hard to get a reputation for being hard to work with in this business. And given a lot of times it's very well earned, but it can be for many of the wrong reasons as well. But once you're labeled as that, yeah, it can be very, very hard to get people to trust you on set again. Wow. That's going to that's gonna be a tough one for her to bounce back from then. I, I'd say in some areas, maybe, but I also think there's plenty of production companies and production houses now. This is not the old days. You're not beholden to the giant, you know, giant networks and giant uh, production companies anymore. I mean, Warner and everybody are not the only ball game anymore. So as a filmmaker, as a performer, she still has plenty of options and there'll be plenty of people who be, you know, willing to work with her, even just for the point of she stood up in the first place. So I don't think it's going to close as many doors as you may think. Right now, she's actually uh, one half of a, of the stars of the new uh, Fox TV show, LA's Finest, uh, alongside um, with uh, with Jessica Alba. And this is pretty much, this is, uh, this is a, a spinoff off of Bad Boys, because we all remember that uh, she played uh, she played a DA agent on in, in Bad Boys 2. So producers from Bad Boys have kind of done like a spinoff and have put her in, uh, in as a, in the starring role of the new TV show, Ali's Finest. So, I mean, she looks like it didn't really affect her that much because she's still out there. You know, I mean, it looks like uh, um, it, it looks like she's still she's still making moves. And that's a good thing. So, I mean, there's I guess there's still hope for her life, for for people to actually for people to actually get a fair shot after all. Uh, like I said, it's not. This is not the old days where you only had three major studios in Hollywood, and you were basically beholden to them. And if they didn't like you, you had no shot. I mean, that's one of the benefits of having as many streaming options, as many network options, as many. There's so many independent things. Just the doors don't close as hard and as permanently anymore. Especially if you're not, uh, you know, if you didn't do anything too heinous. I mean, that's one of the benefits of having as many streaming options, as many network options, as many. There's so many independent things. Just the doors don't close as hard and as permanently anymore, especially if you're not, uh, you know, if you didn't do anything too heinous. Well, definitely good on her for standing up to, to the likes of Simon Cowell because it's a good thing for, for them to go ahead and stand up to a person that's very difficult to uh, to deal with. Not just to I, work with, but also to deal with. And I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he is. But it also comes from a very different place. You're talking to somebody who was raised in the kitchens in America here. Very different place. You go to the kitchens in Europe very different place. I had a chef in my culinary school throw a pot at me. I almost I almost beat him. He was a, he was a European chef. He got mad at me for something and he flung a pot my way. I almost beat him into a coma. I mean, I'm not kidding. In in Europe, you just take that. That's normal. Wow. That's so I'm He's used to working in a very different business model. He made his money in the music industry, but again, has worked predominantly back in Europe. It's a very different way of behaving. It is a very different way of doing things. Um, I'm just speaking from experience in the chef thing, but it's there's a level of acceptable in Europe that is not acceptable here. 
And you know what? I mean, that, that, and that's something that he learned apparently from from this whole experience, or at least you know we'd like to think that he did. You'd, you'd hope so. You, we'd hope so. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but good on uh, Gabrielle for doing that. I mean, talk about you know working with uh, very difficult people. I work with a difficult person on a daily basis here on my podcast. But yes, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, why would I be talking about myself? Why? Why? There's no point in you're that. you're your favorite subject. <laughs> in other entertainment news, this is this is a this is a topic that might be near and dear to your heart. Looks like uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, they haven't announced this yet because it's still they still haven't. Um, casted the new James Bond yet. They still don't have a new James Bond. But uh, Henry Cavill, which is uh, a.k.a. Superman, uh, he's throwing his uh, his name into the hat to see if uh, maybe they might want to cast him as the new as the new James Bond. Uh, he went ahead and he was uh, said, quoted, at this stage, it's all up in the air. We'll see what happens. But yes, I would love to play Bond. It would be very, very exciting. I mean... I I don't know if I could see him as a James Bond. He just seems too much, too burly, too big. James Bond is more like a like a Jason Statham. Like he would be a good James Bond. So I, I don't know. Even I, Statham, I think, is too rough. Rough. Yeah, yeah. I would. I I honestly, given when they were first uh, talking about it and before some of the issues he's had over the last couple of years, I really liked the idea of them exploring Idris Elba. Yes, I was actually going to think about that too. That's that would he would have been actually a really good fit for James Bond as well. Yeah, I thought he would have been an absolutely perfect fit. I think that would have been really. um, a great take on it that he, I think he could have brought something very, very cool to the role. Yeah, and 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 I agree with that, and I hope that they circle back uh, to Idris Elba because I mean, I, again, I agree with you. I think that he's got a very, you know, he's got a very smooth, a smooth personality, and that's what James Bond is. He's a very smooth, suave, debonair gentleman, uh, and and I think Idris he he pretty much embodies all those things. And um, I seriously think that they should consider him for the part of James Bond, to be honest, uh, for, for those reasons. I mean, if you're going to cast somebody, do it right. You know, do you know, give it give it the credit that it deserves. I mean, look at look at the ones who preceded uh, who preceded Daniel Craig right now. I mean, well, aside from the one that preceded him, because I, we already know how you feel about that actor. Um. It's not the actor. It's the what they I'm sorry. I have an issue. I do not like the Pierce Brosnan or the Timothy Dalton James Bonds. I just didn't. They didn't work for me. I'm old school. I liked the smoothness, the confidence that you had with a Sean Connery, with yeah. a Roger Moore. With, you know, I I did not enjoy the films with, with Roger Dalton and with Pierce Brosnan. I just didn't. It's it's just me. It's my opinion, but I I don't think they stack up as Bond. Yeah, I think I think after after uh, after um, you know when it started with the new James Bonds, it just kind of fell off a little bit. I mean, my mom, she always like that's how she became a Sean Connery fan through the James Bond films. I mean, her and probably millions of other women as well. I mean, the guy was very like slick. You know, I mean, he was, he was very, he was, you know, 
I don't know. James Bond just always brought something to the James Bond character. And that's what made him so popular. That's what made him a huge hit in the movie industry, in the entertainment industry. I mean, and I, I think, obviously, there will never be another Sean Connery, James Bond. There'll never be another one. But they could sure as hell try. Oh, heck yeah. And again, you can take it in a different direction. You can, but you got to have that smooth, that understated cool. Yep, I agree. And dude, every time I think about uh, Sean Connery, it reminds me of uh, of the SNL skits that they used to do with him and um, for Jeopardy, uh, with him and Alex Trebek. <laughs> you know, like th- those skits were freaking crack. They would crack me up all the time. Mm-hmm. Dude. You know, like he'd be like, "Shuck it, shuck it hard, shuck it long." <laughs> you know, I'm like dude, you guys are stupid. But yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, going to be interesting to see who the new James Bond is going to be again they've been talking like they've been talking about a lot of different people uh and uh you know henry cavill like i said he's he's one of those guys it's just like you know what hey put me in coach (laughs) you know put me in i'm ready to go so i mean henry's a really good actor and i but for me i don't see him in the role i i don't envision him but that doesn't mean it can't happen i mean hey we all thought well not we all but most people thought that michael keaton couldn't pull off batman yeah so, i mean most people were looking at that and going you know this comedy actor this he can't do he can't be batman and he did an absolutely brilliant job everybody had to eat their words so again he could absolutely prove me wrong but i have a hard time seeing him in the role yeah and and you know there was also talk of tom hardy also uh picking up the role as, as james bond as well uh See, there was rumors about i would show. i would almost I, I i love tom i really do but again for me too bulky too aggressively macho not that he can't be understated but his he has more of that just natural machismo i would almost like to see tom hiddleston Ooh, ooh, ooh! that's a thought that's, that's what actually, I, that's, I, a good, I, that's a good one. I, when I, I was trying to when I was trying to think smooth and that that perfect look and that I think Tom Hiddleston would make an excellent Bond. Oh, that's a good one. I did. I completely did. I completely wrote it. I mean, I guess because I have Loki stuck in my head, you know, I could never really picture him. But yeah, he's done. He's he's a great actor. Besides, you know, obviously the Avengers, he's done many other movies, and he's a great actor in all of them. Absolutely. And um, yeah, no, Tom. Is and again, he has that. Wilson. He has that European understated cool kind of thing going for him. He has, you know, I, I think he could. I mean, given they're not listening. To me, but I think he'd make a brilliant <laughs> choice. Hey, you never know. Okay, you never know. And he like we're 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 all over the place. I mean, we're we're streaming on all major. Oh, I didn't mean they wouldn't hear me here. I just, you know, I just mean there's no production company calling oh, okay. me to ask. Oh, that part. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about that. <laughs> I know. I was pointing that out, Dick. <laughs> wow, saucy. Some someone's saucy this morning. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> Say it, I'm grumpy this morning. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be sleek back then. That's why I said saucy. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and uh, you know wait to see who's going to be the new James Bond. A lot of great thoughts out there. Uh, a lot of great um, you know opinions, uh, and and we'll just have to see which one actually sticks. We'll see. I mean, I just I get I, you know. Henry's a good actor. I just can't see him as a Bond, to be honest with you. That's that's what I mean. I just, I just don't see him in the role. Um, yeah. But again, that I could eat my words. You know, we've had many actors that people didn't think could pull it off. Um, you know, another example, although it was a com- comic thing, no one expected Jim Carrey to put forward the performance he put forward in Man in the Moon, playing Andy Kaufman. Oh, God. Nobody, was... No one expected him to come in with yeah. the depth that he played that character with, and you know, I mean, they expected him to be able to handle the slapstick and everything else, of course, but the depth that he brought to the dramatic parts of that and everything, I mean, people were floored. So, you know, never underestimate someone, but I, like you said, I have a hard time seeing him in the role. Then again, in Jim Carrey's uh, case, he went a little, you know, on set, according to the documentary that uh, I saw on Netflix. Well, I mean, when you delve so deeply into a character, unfortunately, that can happen. Look at poor, you know, look at poor uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, went and prepared for his Joker character. No one knows what he did in that hotel room for a month, but he isolated himself for a month and did whatever he had to do to go crazy. And unfortunately, he didn't come back. No kidding, man. No kidding. You know, method, so, acting, method acting sometimes could go ahead and take a toll on a person. Hey, it, it can. I mean, many, many people, when they delve into those roles like that so deeply and they really become it, it, it can have an effect. Um, that's the truth. So, you know, I uh, completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> bottom line, bottom line, we'll have to see what happens with uh, with Henry Cavill. See if he gets cast or who's going to be cast on the next James Bond. We'll, we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see for that. Coming up next, we have a, an up and coming or actually a rising star by the name of uh, Simon Lunch. And man, he's got an incredible sound, incredible music. And to think he started at the age of five years old, uh, wanting already knowing what he wanted to be at a very young age so well you know it, it's an incredible interview and uh you guys are just gonna have to stick around to check that out but first here is his brand new single that's out right now grace right here on the sander effect simple stare I'm seeing Grace as she's standing there Dancing through my rhymes And melodies from more gentle times Now I fear I'll be alone tonight And I don't want to be alone Cause someday Affair. Grace, 
Actually, he's already a rising star. My guest at this time, his name is Simon Lunch. Simon, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, anytime, man. I got to tell you, that song is just incredible. Like, it sounds, you know, a lot of, I could almost kind of compare it to a little bit of of the artist, um, you know, uh, that's, that's also out there, uh, styles, Harry styles. It's almost like a Harry stylish, uh, type of, uh, music. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten that a few times before, you know, it's funny. I've, I, I never am really thinking about when I'm writing these songs, who it might sound like that's out there or whatever, but you know, I, I obviously love Harry Styles' new record, and, and that's a, a great compliment. So thank you. <laughs> no, for sure, man. So you know, you're you're a California native. You uh, yep. come from Berkeley. Uh, yep. It's a really nice area out there, man. Uh, it's basically you you started at a very young age, and you were even uh, you were even uh, pretty much endorsed by Gibson at a very young yep. age. Uh, one of the youngest, actually, to uh, be endorsed by Gibson. I mean, yeah. But but before we get into that, how did you get started in uh, in music? Well, um, I was 
you know, I, I grew up in a family that, that although none of my parents played instruments, we had uh, an old Steinway sitting in the living room that my mom had inherited from her aunt that mm. she used to play when she was a kid. And my dad just loves music. So he had tons of records and, and CDs around and, and I would just throw in different CDs and listen to them. Uh, and he had all, all of the best stuff, you know, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, the Beach Boys. Like I just grew up idolizing those guys. So I think I was probably uh, the real moment for me. I think I was, it was five or six years old and I was sitting in the car on the way back from, from like elementary school <laughs> one day. And, and every Tuesday we would stop at the farmer's market on the way back and I would just sit in the car um, while my mom or dad uh, went and, and got a bunch of food. And one of those days I was sitting there in the car while they were getting food, listening to, to Eric Clapton, which they had put in. Um, and, uh, that, that did it for me, you know, like hearing Layla and sunshine of your love and all that stuff. I was like, and, and I was flipping through the booklet, you know, back when people had CDs, <laughs> the CD booklet. And I saw this picture that, that just like was ingrained in my head of, of his, it wasn't even a picture of him. It was just his, his 56, uh, Fender Stratocaster leaning up against his amplifier. And I was just like, Oh my God, I want to play the guitar so bad. <laughs> so I think people have had similar experiences where they hear claps and they're like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. But, but that was really the kicker for me after just growing up in a, in a musical space. And, and literally a week later, I, I was playing, um, playing the classical guitar. Um, and it, and it really just kind of grew from there. Wow. But at five years old, I mean, I, at five, I was still trying to, you know, tie my shoes. Like I still didn't <laughs> know how to do that, let alone know that I was going to become uh, something that I was going to become. I mean, you already had an inclination towards music and you already wanted to like get into it just by listening to a Clapton uh, solo at, at five. I mean, that's, that's a very young age to already know exactly where you want what you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it yeah yeah i mean just to be clear yeah i was i was still struggling tying my shoes too and doing all that little kid stuff but i don't know that that you know the music always really spoke to me and hearing that record was just like that just did it in such a way for me and then i remember you know uh which which who knows where this stuff comes from you know like but i got the guitar and and really it was like you know, I was, yeah, I was trying to play other people's songs and, and I was trying to learn, but at the same time, like I remember from the day I got the instrument, I was just trying to write my own songs too. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was, you know, I was playing chords that, that I didn't know were chords and, and probably weren't anything. And I was, you know, singing a bunch of random melodies and, and really was just winging it. But for some reason, um, I just, I had something inside of me that I just, I wanted to bring out and, and that's, you know, from then till now, the only reason that I do it is just to, is really just to express myself. And I think that was the way that I found as a kid to do that. 
in and, the best way. And the thing is that like not too long after you discovered what you what you were interested in, you know, namely four years later, you were involved with the indie group, the Blondies. And, yeah. you know, I mean, how did you get involved with with the group? Well, I, funny enough, like there is there is members that I met in all sorts of different ways going up, like a few like I remember through Little League Baseball, um, a few, you know, from school, a few uh, that that I just knew played music. And and we went through a few different iterations of the group before it kind of like reached its final form. But that was something that I did like, yeah, from the time I was probably eight or nine to the time I was 18, which is crazy to think about uh, that I was playing music with those guys for so long. And it was just like, you know, at first, obviously very casual. We would meet up and and every week we would just jam out in my house. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but what's crazy is that, like at nine, you know, they they could easily see, oh, this is just a kid, you know. And, but they <laughs> yeah. actually, they actually, you, you know, you were the creative force behind the group. I mean, yeah. how, how did they at first, you know, how, how did they at first kind of uh, uh, embrace you at nine years old? I mean, I don't know if I gave them much of a choice, to be honest with you. I think, I think me as a nine-year-old is, is not the me that you would want to meet out of all of, the, all of the iterations of me that I've been throughout my life. I think I was probably most assertive and confident as a, as a small child. So I would, you know, I would come in and have a song and be like, all right, we're playing this today and I know it's going to be good. And, you nice. know, no, it's just, it's just total, total, you know, you know, I had no idea what I was doing just as much as anyone else. I (laughs) I just had that overconfidence at that time. So probably I think if you asked a lot of members of, of that group, you know, like the bass player, Frank, who were so great friends and have played together. So he would probably say like, Oh my God, little Simon was such a pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was for that reason. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I gave him much of a choice. I was just like, these are my songs. We're playing my songs. I like them. You're going to like them, <laughs> oh <my laughs> which I had no basis for thinking that. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, and that's really cool though, but I mean, it's like still, I mean, they, they toured, how were you able to tour with them while still being in school and everything? Because I mean, they were, they started, uh, they were touring the Western U S around 2016 when you were like right around the time that you were graduating high school. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is, is, uh, by that time we had done three, three really like real albums that I was very proud of and that I'd produced and, and uh, written all the songs on. And really the touring didn't start fully until the day that I graduated high school, but even so, Oh my God, my senior year of high school was so funny because it was like really so much of it was spent (laughs) at the studio and not in class. And even, even when I was in class, I was just always thinking about this music I was writing and I was lucky enough to like have even teachers that were very supportive of that, you know, uh, one of my teachers just straight up like let me keep a guitar in his classroom and and you know uh would i would go in and during lunch or even you know many days during math class because i hated math and and i you know knew i wasn't going to do anything with it and i would go into his classroom and i would be sitting there uh with my laptop with pro tools on it 
and and I would be simultaneously and my guitar and I'd be playing and and like at one point like writing these string arrangements for the album I was working <laughs> on. So that was really during school that that became a whole thing and I was just lucky to have support from everyone. Um and people who believed in me, even those teachers. But really, yeah, when I graduated is when the touring uh, started. And uh, that was, yeah, that was a, an amazing time. And, and unfortunately, sort of led to uh, the end of the band and that, you know, me coming out of high school knowing, like, I'm going to do this. And I, I've known forever that I'm going to do this and commit all my time to it. And I just couldn't wait to have all the time to commit to it. And uh, there were a few members of the band who were already older and in college and really wanted to finish college and do that. And, and that's amazing. And we're still all great friends. I just, you know, had to, had to come to the realization of like, you know, damn, I can't wait for these people to be done for, for me to, you know, keep going or start, start really going for it. Um, I just needed to go for it. So, um, unfortunately that's also what led to sort of the end of the group, but it was quite, quite a good time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was a learning experience for you. I mean, you pretty much, you know, crammed a, a lifetime in, in just, you know, those years. I mean, in, in your childhood, that's, that's your childhood right there. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was pretty much the entire childhood was all music and all, you know, and, and, and just, you know, helping out another band. I mean, that was, that was huge, but that's, it, it was almost like you were going to school, but you were also going to school. Yeah. <laughs> you were, you're also going, yeah. taking classes on the side of life, so, yeah. life classes. So that's really cool, man. That's really cool that you, uh, that you were able to like learn a lot from that industry, which makes you intelligent enough to be able to battle whatever comes your way uh, now as an adult, you know, and that's, that's, that's actually very important. I mean, and, and, you know, after that experience, you basically, you know, decided to go off you know, on your own, start your own thing. And you switched actually uh, from rhythm to Leandra's guitar, uh, you know, on his on his solo project. And you you composed a song that you got the attention from uh, multi Grammy award winning engineer Dave rates us. Yep. Yep. I mean, that, that was uh, he. He's done a lot of stuff. He's done stuff with Stevie Wonder, Barbara Streisand, and The Weeknd. You know, yeah. I mean that 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 sparked his attention so much to the point that you know he he decided to join uh, uh, your creative team. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, I feel I feel equally equally blessed and, and lucky to to have met Dave and and have have him have a believer in him, and that was so big for me because coming out of the band, I, the first thing I'm thinking about is like, who am I going to make? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who am I going to make? What next? And who am I going to make this project with? And, and the first, one of the first things I went looking for was an engineer and a, and a mixing engineer. And I had some demos uh, that I had been making and I had been, you know, experimenting, like you said, playing a lot more lead guitar uh, than rhythm. And, uh, and I, remember like I was just not selling myself short, even though I was 18 years old and, 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 you know, still a lot to learn. And, um, I was, I was really shooting for the stars and I was just thinking, you know, who are my favorite engineers in the world? Who are my favorite mixing engineers? And I made a list and I, and I emailed as many of them as I could. I reached out to as many of their managers as I could. And, and a lot of them, you know, right. Don't even respond. 
Uh, I think I had a list of like, you know, five or six guys that I really liked their work. Um, and, and a lot of them don't even respond. And I remember Dave getting back to me and he hadn't even listened to the demo yet. And he said, you know, he was like, Hey Simon, you know, I have a lot of my play right now. This probably isn't for me, but I'll take a listen. And if I like it, I'll, I'll let you know, you know, I'll hit you back. And I remember that same day. Yeah. I like at, at like literally 1am uh, he was, he was giving me a call cause I had left my number there and, and, uh, he, he says, Simon, I, I love this song. I would love to work on this project. And that was like the biggest thing for me because that was just like my inroad to every other musician that ended up working on this album with me. And Dave ended up just being like more amazing as a person than I ever could have hoped for. And we were so musically compatible in that, like even the first time that we worked together, like just the way that he thinks about music and the way I think about music and it always being an experiment and never a formula. He is so alike to me in that way that it just worked out really well. Um, so I was, I was very lucky with that. And then when I needed, you know, a bass player and a drummer, uh, I didn't sell my short self short either. And at that point I had Dave, you know, to back me up, uh, and mm-hmm. his, his leverage and power. And, and he, I, I remember telling him, I said, Dave, I need a bass player. And he's like, all right, who are your favorite bass players? <laughs> and <laughs> I gave him my three favorite guys. And, and the top dude was this guy, Sean Hurley, who I just loved from, uh, you know, Adina Menzel stuff and John Mayer stuff. And yeah, he's John Mayer's bassist. Yeah. So, so much, so much stuff. He's just, he's just an amazing musician. Like I used to watch YouTube videos of him just playing the bass, you know, just cause I loved his musicianship. And, uh, uh, Dave was like, okay, I don't know him, but I have mixed this Adina Menzel record and I know Adina knows him. So Dave ends up calling Adina. Adina gave him Sean's number. And literally a few days later, Sean was in the studio and, and that ended up just being, again, in a stroke of luck because I've met so many guys who we just don't click. You know, I feel so lucky when I do click with someone and Sean came in and like, we just clicked. Uh, and, and, you know, from then on, he was just my guy on the base. And that's always, that, that's always important too, to make sure that you have chemistry with people that you're working with. Oh my God. Immensely. I mean, I mean, just cause it's, 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 there's a better product when you're working with someone who is excited and involved and believes in what you're doing, Correct. you know, like that's just, that's what makes it good. Oftentimes, even if they're not, sometimes even if they're not a great musician, I mean, I've been in a lot of positions like that where someone's not even a great musician, but they believe in it and they know how it's supposed to feel and they can feel it themselves. And it works out because of that. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> music's a hard thing because there are these like intangible, you know, factors that that are are hugely in play. So I was yeah, I was anyway, I was very lucky to then to then, you know, vibe with Sean, have a real connection with him. And that really led me him and Dave really led me to then everything else and everyone else and just musically uh, anyone involved with this project. Yeah. Because then you also, you also uh, brought in a uh, drummer, Aaron Sterling, who also yeah. uh, did stuff with Harry Styles, uh, Marin Morris and John Mayer as well. Yeah. 
And that was, that was because of Sean. I mean, um, I remember asking Sean, I think we had had, we had done like two or three sessions together. And then I told him, I was like, Hey, like, you know, I, I would love you to play on the rest of these songs. I've got like 12 more, you know? And I asked him as, cause all of, all of our recording had been in LA up to that point. And I, and I asked him, I was like, Hey, would you be willing to fly up to, um, to the Bay area to record the rest of these songs? Um, and he was like, yeah, totally. And at that point, you know, I, I had let him know that I also needed a drummer. Um, and, and he, he, Sean has, you know, a bunch of friends that are amazing. And I've, I have now played with many of them. And that particular time when we were talking over the songs and I had sent him some stuff and some demos, we just felt like Aaron was the guy. So Sean being great friends with Aaron, uh, gave him a call and luckily Aaron was down to come up to the Bay Area without ever having met me. So when I, when I picked him up at the airport, obviously I knew Sean very well, but that was the first time I'd ever met Aaron. Nice. <laughs> so, so we literally, uh, went into the studio in Berkeley, um, me, him and Sean and my engineer and, and you know, that was my first time playing with Aaron and it was just, I mean, Aaron's just insane. Like, I, you could, you could really, I would play through a song on my acoustic guitar. They'll sit there and take notes and, and we'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll go out there and play the song. And, and literally I could use the first take and it, it'd sound like a record, you know, that's how good those dudes are. Wow. Um, but not that we don't do more and experiment, but, but it's just, man, that was just, I remember that first time so fun to me because you just feel it working immediately, which is just the greatest feeling, you know, when you've written a song, you've put all your heart into it. You've probably sat with it for weeks, if not months without playing it with anyone else. And then you bring it into a room with other guys. And like the first time you play it, you're like, there it is. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to sound like. It's just like the most amazing, you know, feeling ever. It's always, wow. it's always, it's always great to, to have something like that come together. It's almost like, uh, like this character animal from Hannibal from, uh, from the 18 where he used to coin the phrase, I love it when a plan comes together, you know, yeah. and this is, this is, this is similar to what that phrase pretty much, uh, embodies, but totally. I, I mean, you know, of course, you know, at, uh, you know, no musical group could be complete without the backing vocals. And you had that from, uh, Tiffany Palmer, who did stuff with John. Mayor Brandon Winbush, who did stuff with Tori Kelly and Justin Bieber, and Brianna Lee, who did stuff with Elvis Costello. Yeah, yeah, and they're all amazing too. And I was, I was just talking about, you know, I think Tiffany was the first one I met from that group again through Sean. Um, and what was crazy about that experience for me was. I had, you know, there's this amphitheater in the Bay Area called Shoreline that all the big artists come through. And I had just gone, I think, a few months prior to meeting her, I had gone to see John Mayer at, at Shoreline. And I I didn't know who Tiffany was. I had never heard of her. And and she was in, you know, singing backgrounds along with um, another guy, Carlos. And at the very end of the show, Tiffany takes this solo over gravity, this vocal solo. And I'm sitting there like having no idea who she is going like, Holy cow, this girl is so good. And I just pulled out my phone and started recording it. And, uh, so then that was just another crazy moment of like, then her coming in and, and singing on my stuff. And she ended up just like really like teaching me quite a bit about just background vocal stuff too. Cause that's just an art 
and not something that I was very good at. And, uh, and, and then her, you know, introducing me to, uh, Brandon, who is just the most wonderful person in the world and just the nicest soul and Brianna, um, who they're, they're just so much fun. And, and Tiffany, you know, I was, I was actually saying this the other day to someone, but Tiffany doesn't even know this, but, but she, she just brings so much positivity into a room, like, like straight up most times that I'm feeling like really, you know, cause we all have those moments of like, Oh my God, this song is just not working. Like stuff is just not going well. Like you just, the stress builds up to a certain degree in those moments. I will just think about, you know, being in the studio with Tiffany cause it was just such a good time, even though there were not many of those times. And I remember one of the days when she was leaving the studio, um, she just looks at me she's like, Hey, like, just, you know, do not stop. These are great songs. I love working on these and I work with a lot of people. I just want you to know you're doing the right thing. And like coming from someone who, who I just love so much as a musician, that's just like so, so meaningful and so impactful. And she, she doesn't even know how greatly that, how much that meant to me, but literally each time I'm having a bad day in the studio, I will think about that. <laughs> nice. Well, <laughs> if, she doesn't, if she doesn't know, she knows now. Right. Right. <laughs> so I mean, uh, you, with, with with this with this with this group that you created, you created something uh, that you call soul pop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just because I don't have any other way to describe it, you know, it's uh, it's you know, it's groove based. I think pop music with live instruments and. Uh, and if I had, if I had a better way to describe it, I would, it's always so hard to, to categorize, you know, anything outside of the very normal. Um, but, but that's, that's the best, that's the best description that I can, I could give. No, that's really cool though. I mean, and let, let's, let's uh, go ahead and dive into grace. Um, yeah. The, the song is, the song is very beautiful. It's, it's very beautiful, made, beautifully made and, and uh, it's a great song, um, but it sounds like a love song. I mean, with the, was, when you wrote that song, did you have anybody in mind? Is there an actual grace out there or, I mean, is this just something, that you just decided to write well what's funny about the song every single one of my songs is about some real experience just, ah. just, to, just to put that out there I, I, ah. I'm, not, I'm not someone that can write about uh, nothing I'm just not that guy some people nice. have that skill and I, I, I don't <laughs> but, but yeah this song it, it's, it's kind of funny because yeah, it comes out, you know, it's definitely sort of a love song, but to me, uh, it's equally sort of about just loneliness. And, and in the first verse, you know, I'm sort of dictating this, this scene or this situation of, um, uh, you know, being on, like, it was really being on stage, looking out into the audience and, and, I don't know. I, you know, at the place and time in my life that I was writing that song, I was, I was going through this time period of just feeling like, you know, it's like feeling alone, even in a crowded room, which is just like the crappiest feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and I was feeling that a lot at this point in time. And, and I was, I was just, just searching for something to, to, to sort of ease that, that loneliness. And, and this song was really about that. And it's about a real experience of me standing on stage, you know, playing, 
playing old songs that I had written when I was like 16 to a, a group of people. And, and it was, it was, a, it was actually at a college in, in Southern California. And, uh, and uh, I look out in the audience and I was just fantasy, you know, having a, having literally a 10 second fantasy about like, about this girl in the crowd. And, and I ended up writing this whole song about it. And the song ended up <laughs> being to me a, a more of a, representation of how lonely I was feeling than about a specific person, you know, and this like fantasy about this momentary love affair thing, you know, um, that would, that would quench your loneliness. So wait, so, so wait, so you were, you were performing and having a fantasy in the middle of the performance? Well, I, I'm just sitting, you know, I'm, I'm again, it, it comes from that, from that feeling of, of feelings alone, even in a crowded space. And I, you know, you look, well, you look out and you see someone who feel who looks like they feel the same way that you do, and it was it was about that, you know, uh, and, and yeah, that literally, I think I wrote the whole song that night after that show, and it was it was it was quick. Well, the reason um, why I asked that, the reason why I asked that is because is because I could just I could just picture you like singing, and all of a sudden you're like going to <laughs> fantasy mode, and you're like, oh wait, I'm still here. What am I? Whoa, I'm still singing. Okay, let's get back to reality here. You know? yeah. That's the reason why I was yeah. like, you're having a fantasy in the middle of a performance. It's like everybody's like looking at you, like, dude, why did he stop singing? Like, oh yeah, I definitely didn't stop singing. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely didn't didn't look it. Uh, and like I said, probably took place over the course of about ten seconds. You know, in my head, this whole this whole song unfolded. You know, um, which again was more representation of me and and my how I was your emotional state. Else. But but uh, yeah, and 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 I think also a representation of like yeah, like you know. I was a little bit bored of the songs I was playing at that point. And I talk about uh, singing melodies from, from gentler times from, from when I was younger. And that's really what I was doing. I was on stage singing old melodies that I had ah. when I was like 15. But obviously, and, uh, uh, obviously your emotional state had changed. So you needed something that would yeah. represent what you were currently. Right. Right. So that girl, so that girl, did you ever talk to her? No, I, I literally, I didn't, I never did. I literally got off stage and, and I, and I packed up my guitars and I, I was, I don't, I don't even remember what I did. I probably like went to get tacos with, with, you know, my other guitar player in the band or something. Why did, well, um, so why, so why didn't you go up and, you know, chat with the girl and, you know, just, you know, chat with her. I'm curious. I'm just curious. This is just my, at this point, this is my own curiosity. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, to be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't remember, um, uh, you know, with, with playing, playing shows, it's, 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 uh, an interesting thing because usually, usually the show ends and then I got to pack up all my stuff, at which point, you know, some people might want to talk to me and I talk to them, you know, and then, then, by the time you look around again, the whole landscape has changed and maybe True. the person you want to talk, talk to has left or whatever. So honestly, I, I don't even, I don't even remember what it was. I just remember, I remember not seeing that person again. Um, and, uh, but, but having the song in my head and thinking afterwards, like, just like, 
shit, I'm really, I'm really lonely right now. <laughs> and you just, and you just, gave, and you just gave her the name Grace at that point. You just pretty right, much named right. her. God, imagine it. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if you would have met her and her name was like, was like a weird, you know, crazy exotic, you know, right. name or something. You know, it would have been like, yeah, I can't <laughs> use that for the song. How about we just call you Grace anyway? <laughs> right. Right. Like my well, name is my, na- my name is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. My parents really like Mary Poppins. It's like, yeah, I don't think I can use that name in the song. We'll just call you Grace. Right. So. Like even even a two syllable name wouldn't have been acceptable for this song. <laughs> so, so even you know even if we go something else that's basic, you know, like like Elizabeth, we couldn't even do that. Uh, yeah, see, see, it has to be something very that flows. Yeah, I mean, and then the grace, grace worked. I like it though. I like it. It's it's it was a good choice of name. Uh, it's uh, it almost it, it, you know if you it, when I when I hear Grace, I always think of Amazing Grace. So right. I mean, right. you know, it's a, it's a good name to to go ahead and uh, place for a song. But it's definitely, like I said, it's a, it's definitely a really a great song. Uh, speaking of. You know, performing on stage and performing for people. I mean, like, obviously, you've you've done that. How does it feel to perform in front of a large crowd? I mean, it's there's there's nothing quite like that. Uh, and I think you know, even even when the crowd isn't large, if they're if they're excited about what you're doing, you know, like I, I, for a long time when I was writing these songs, I was just playing like literally me and my acoustic guitar in, in a cafe and, and having people start learning the words and, and singing them back to you in any setting is freaking awesome. It's just a totally, you know, un, un, unmatched and, and something you can't, you can't get anywhere else. Uh, and I think it's also just, you know, it's it's the payoff of like all the work that you do writing the song and, and all that stuff to like be able to, you know, be, be up there and visually see people connecting with it and, and and feel other people sort of like reciprocating your energy is is like just just totally, totally awesome. Uh not to mention that I think live, uh, I have a lot of fun just sort of like, you know, letting the song continue to grow, uh, past maybe where it was on a recording, which, which I think is cool. And to me, like live, the create live has become part of the creative process just as much as anything else. So like I'll, I'll, you know, if, if I'm feeling it, if I'm not feeling it, it doesn't happen, but if I'm feeling it and there's a good crowd and everyone's really vibing, I'll, I'll go off on, you know, a tangent of like, a, you know, a, a five minute guitar solo where like, I'm just, just having a conversation with myself through the guitar and with the audience, which, which can just be like the, the most awesome thing for me. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's, there's exact words to describe it, except that it's, it's totally unmatched by anything else. And I'm, I'm, I miss it. <laughs> no. And I was going to ask about that now with, uh, with what's going on right now with the current pandemic. I mean, how has that affected, uh, you know, your, your musical growth, uh, touring, et cetera. Like, I mean, how, how has all that affected you right now? I mean, I mean, it definitely, it definitely sucks, you know, like, 
uh, I was very ready after completing this album, which I literally, I completed, I think I, I had my last mixing session about a week before all the lockdown started. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, I was so ready cause making an album is, is a pretty solitary process. Mm-hmm. I think at least for me. And, and I was very ready to sort of like be a little bit of a social butterfly and, and, and go play a bunch of shows and talk to people and stuff like that. And, and not having, not being able to do that definitely is, is quite a bummer. Um, but that being said, you know, like I also feel, I feel very grateful being an artist that like I, I'm capable of, you know, being alone and, and I'm capable of still like working to some degree, even in this situation. Um, so for, I think for the first like two weeks, I'm sitting here like, Oh my God, you know, I'm not going to turn on pro tools again. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start working on more songs because I just finished and I need to give myself time to do something else. And then I'm like two or three weeks into, you know, the lockdown and, and, uh, and I'm just like, I have nothing else to do. And of course I'm pulling out my guitar and I start turning on stuff in my studio. (laughs) You're like, and uh, here we go again. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it just starts happening. So, um, now you know we're months into this and i've got a ton of songs again that i'm that i'm working on so <laughs> that's that's sort of where we are but it does it's it's just a bummer and i hope that <clears throat> i just i just hope that uh you know when when this is over there are good shows to be played and and lots of people to to be there to to talk to and connect with with the music because oh that's that's what that's what was gonna happen. So yeah, and that's and that's and that's for sure because I mean you know when when all this is over, people are gonna want to go out. It's gonna be like crazy. They're gonna want right. to you know go to shows again, concerts, etc. So rest assured, I'm 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 pretty positive that that's gonna end up happening for you, um, especially right now with all the music that you're actually shelling out. I mean, uh, you know, are you doing what other artists are usually doing, which is doing like Facebook uh, type of uh, performance? or Instagram live performances, things like that? Yeah, I've actually done, I've done, I think, uh, three or four. Um, A few on Facebook actually have been for, you know, venues that I was supposed to play um, that, you know, are festivals that I was supposed to play. Um, so I'll, you know, I've done, I've done a live on their, on their Facebook or whatever in place of the actual live show that was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done, I've done actually some cool, like, uh, sort of like private little shows for some of my very dedicated fans, uh, over zoom, which has been, which has been fun. But, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely tricky. I mean, like, um, I mean, not tricky to play, but, but tricky, you know, to connect with people in the same way, just because, you know, if you're on a Facebook live, like, yeah, you see people like hitting the, you know, heart button or whatever and, and dropping comments, but you can't see their faces. And I'm, I'm literally, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in front of a screen that's just projecting uh, a mirrored picture of me back at myself and I'm sitting there playing my acoustic guitar and trying to have energy. Um, which, which is definitely, it's, it's definitely not the same. It's, it's a different thing. And, and, uh, that being said, it's, it's been, it's been fun to do those. And I think I've had a, you know, uh, especially fun, uh, in those, in those little private shows, just cause on zoom, you know, you can see people's faces and like, yeah. 
and, and potentially even like talk to people more than you would at a show and, and have people request songs if they want, you know, if they want to hear something. So that's been really fun. I think we're all trying to navigate like, like as artists, how, how do we <laughs> continue to bring that live aspect to our, our work even through this, which you know, I don't, I don't know if I have the perfect answer yet, but there have definitely been some, some fun moments doing that stuff. No, that's really cool that at least, uh, that at least you're keeping busy with, with, uh, your music, with your fans, you're still interacting with them because that's always important to continue to keep on at least that portion of your musical growth is still growing. So that's a good thing. Right. Now, right. now I gotta ask, have you, have you also been doing TikToks? Cause everybody's been doing TikToks right now, trying <laughs> to keep themselves busy. I mean, you know, like, cause it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I can imagine you playing some verses of your song on TikToks and then other people, uh, you know, uh, using the song for, you know, like maybe doing funny TikToks. Have you, have you thought about doing anything like that or have you done anything like that? You know, I have not dabbled in TikTok as much as I should have by this point. <laughs> wow. I, some, wow. Some, I know. I know. I'm one of, I'm <laughs> and you're, one of and you're, the only you, ones. Yeah. You're like, you're, you, this is your generation's, you know, pretty much, know. you know, Facebook or Instagram at this point, you know, <laughs> this is your generation's <laughs> version of that. I, I, for some reason, I don't relate to the TikTok as much as a lot of people do. Okay, you're uh, weird. You're weird. I can't talk uh, to you. Yeah, I, I'm just. I think. <laughs> just I think. Funny. I think that's the situation. Um, but but that being said, uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that I will be dabbling in it because especially especially with with my record about to release uh, and stuff like that. Like, there's no way I'm not gonna at least at least try to make some TikTok videos. Right? I'm saying, you know, that's a good oh, idea man. to go ahead and get the word out there like that. Maybe yeah, do a little yeah, maybe yeah. do a little preview of what's to come. That could be a good idea right there for you too. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's definitely a it's a it's a fascinating uh sort of trend right now. So uh, with people. So you brought it up. You got a record talk to me about that. Yeah, it's it's been like two years in the making, uh, which man, it's been it's been such a musical journey of like of of really discovering who I am as a solo artist and uh, just writing so many songs and meeting so many people and 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 just and and having a lot of really good days that are some that are some days that still don't feel real to me and having a lot of really terrible days uh, and it's it's the the culmination of, of all of that. And, and, um, what's, what's crazy about it, you know, is yeah, it's going to have, it's going to have grace and, and red delicious and a lot of the songs or the singles that are already out, but it's got a bunch of new tracks as well. And, and what's crazy is like, you know, I'm definitely, I'm definitely someone who is very hard on themselves and on themselves and, and, and always looking at how to be better. And, and I think I finished this album, uh, well, I felt like I said, I finished it right before uh, the lockdown started literally days before. And, uh, I already, I already know where I can do better, which is what's so crazy about it. Uh, and, and how I can be better, but, but it's, it's really, it's a, it's a great representation of, of where I've been in my life. And, uh, I'm definitely very, very proud of it. And I'm very proud of, uh, my growth as a guitar player throughout this record and 
you know, a, a lot of the lyrics I'm very, very proud of. And, and I'm, I'm especially proud of, uh, just cause I don't think a lot of people do it these days is, is the fact that, you know, all of these songs were written by me. All of these songs were produced by me, you know, uh, a lot of them, uh, were engineered partly by me, which I think is, uh, just something that is not happening that much these days, especially amongst younger artists. So I'm definitely very, very, very proud of that. Um, and it's, uh, it's really in its simplest form, I think, uh, just a, a record about, about growing up and, and about, uh, bit of loss of youth and loss of innocence so yeah never knew the night is what it's called uh, and it's out now everywhere itunes spotify amazon music anything that you can possibly think of and of course everyone should go check it out nice man no i i mean it, it sounds it sounds to me that uh you definitely continue to work you definitely continue to uh put albums out there and which is very important to just keep on doing what you're doing regardless of what's happening around you i mean hell you even had fires going on over there uh out by your yeah, area man. i mean this is it, well i mean we had fires over here too i mean we had we're basically all of the west coast was engulfed in flames so yeah. i mean talk about talk about a crazy 2020 this has been a crazy year for so many people in so many ways and yeah. you know let's just hope that at, at least at the very least music just continues to flow and at least makes people you know escape from what's what's around them which is very important and you provide that for a lot of people which is also you know a, an incredible thing that that you're doing so i mean so i gotta ask but i gotta ask you know something i ask all my guests when they come on the show how can people stalk you on social media <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it uh, i like it though <laughs> people can stalk me on social media all day every day uh simply by typing in at Simon Lunch or just Simon Lunch into their search tab on Instagram or Twitter specifically. Um, Instagram is usually where I hang out, but I'm also on Twitter. And and as we were mentioning earlier, uh, lunch with an E, just like what you eat, but with an E at the end. Um, nice. Nothing fancy. Um, stock sure? stock sure? me there. <laughs> are, are, are you sure we can't go ahead and make it fancy? We want to. I think we want to make it fancy. Want to say Simon Lunch? You know, make it sound like make, make it sound like uh, make, make it sound like uh, like uh, like one of those opera singers or uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> like Pavarotti or something. Be like, my name is Simon Lunche. Okay, <laughs> I think I think you could go you could go either you could go Lunche or or Lunch, Lunch, something like you know like like give it give it a little bit a little bit of. Uh, the a accent pizzazz. at the end, like the yeah. accent at the end, you know, emphasis <laughs> on the accent at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, thank you so much for being on the Xander Effect. It was a pleasure having you on the show, man. Uh, you know, I hope to have you again on here very soon for any new music that you got coming out. But so far, go ahead and check out his latest album that's out now on all major platforms. You make sure you check it out and make sure to follow this gentleman because I'm telling you, he's going places pretty soon. He's probably going to forget about any, every, you know, me and everything else. You know, that's fine. I 
get it. You know, you, you know, when you get up there and, you know, become a star, you tend to forget about the little people. So not just blame. No, I, I think that you're going to do great things, man. I think that you're uh, definitely a rising star. And uh, dude, again, you know, pleasure having you on here. And I hope to have you again here soon. Thank you so much. It's, it's been it's been a lot of fun talking. Awesome, brother. Well, you take care of yourself. You be safe out there and we'll chat soon, man. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Simon, for being on the Xander Effect. Uh, you know, I had a great time interviewing uh, you and, uh, you know, your music, your song, dude. Grace is a freaking awesome song. Uh, and, uh, you know, I definitely see big things happening with this kid. Dude, it's really cool to hear a new up and coming singer songwriter, um, especially one who, as you said, was kind of a young prodigy, started five years old i mean i've known a few guitar prodigies um throughout the my days i just being around the industry and stuff um thomas mcrocklin who was a blues and kind of fusion virtuoso he was a protege of steve Vai at 11 years old um also Johnny Lang, who's an amazing blues guitarist and very successful nowadays and also married to my very dear friend. Um, nice. But he, you know, was opening for Clapton and stuff at 10 years mm-hmm. old, 12 years old, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see these amazing people who knew what they wanted very young, had the talent, and had the drive to go after it. And it's just so amazing to see. And I'm a fan of the singer-songwriter genre. And given it's got a different twist because he's a a different era but as soon as i started to listen to the song the first thing that came to my head was james taylor yeah and i can't give him a better uh compliment than that so yeah, yeah and and to and what's really cool about it is that uh his his musical you know his musical his musical uh, 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 inspiration came from the most unlikely of sources uh, at his age, you know, uh, which is good because that means his his parents are trying to like that's good that parents are trying to instill old school music into a new generation. Absolutely. I mean that's that's something that need that that's something that's very important because I mean hell as a kid my parents used to like me you know have me listen to the Bee Gees the Beatles you know and and I'm very grateful for that because I I I I uh, I uh, had you know uh, created a uh, uh, some sort of a, an appreciation you know I developed I should say I developed an appreciation for good music and that's good music absolutely and I I did too I was raised listening to a very eclectic wide range of music and it gave me quite an appreciation um so truthfully this I really like his stuff I'm really excited to hear the rest of his album and uh man I'm looking forward to seeing what he does from here Definitely make sure you guys go ahead and check out his music because this kid, again, I say it once, I'll say it again, he's going places. And And also, I have to cut you off before we get to our next one. Mm -hmm. Since we're discussing a little bit of old music and things our parents instilled in us there, I have to mention the passing of a brilliant singer, Helen Reddy. Mm -hmm. Passed away yesterday. And just an amazing woman, a... uh, a fighter on the front lines for women's, you know, women's rights. Just a incredible singer that my mother was a big fan of that I got to grow up listening to. And uh, man, her passing definitely hit home when I read about it. And so, I- uh, man, thank you, Helen, for all the memories and all the brilliant music. 
Agreed. And our condolences go to her and her family during this very difficult time as well. Uh, how did your How did your mom take it? Um, I'm not sure if she knows yet. She's actually been at work. Um, uh, she's, uh, you know, staying down at the, she's nannying. So she stayed down at the house where she's working. So I haven't seen her. I haven't been able to find out, but uh, it'll probably hit her pretty good. Um, it's always sad. It's always sad when you hear like such talented, legendary artists pass away. But I guess we're, we're, there's an old saying that we're at the age where um, we're, most most of most of things are being taken away than being given yeah it's uh, it's definitely the pendulum is swinging that way at this age you know most of those wonderful people and musicians and entertainers and everybody else that made such an imprint on our childhood uh, you know they're reaching that age where they're starting to go away even in even in sports too i mean you know you know a lot of uh, wrestlers that i grew up watching have oh, been, yeah. you know have been going have been dropping like flies man i'm like dude this is this is crazy you know it's but i guess it's that it's that point in our lives i suppose i mean you know it's it, it happens but it, well and in talking about sports looks like uh, today is going to be game 1 of the Lakers championship run. I mean, dude, they, they went ahead and damn near swept New Orleans, uh, beating uh, New Orleans in, in, a, in a series seven, four to one. I mean, that was, that was definitely an amazing series to watch. They did an incredible job. LeBron just taking the helm, you know, being a great uh, captain uh, for his team, definitely being an inspiration to his team. And of course, we all know that they're doing this for Kobe. They're, I mean, this is the year that they want to become champions, not just because it's been years since they've been champions, but now they have a, a huge motivation, which is to honor Kobe by bringing a championship back home to Los Angeles. I think that's absolutely got to be a motivating factor for them. Uh, you have to know that everybody in the franchise um, probably has that in the back of their mind at all times ever since Kobe has passed. So um, you, you can't say they're not going to be motivated. And truthfully, as much, and not that LeBron is not a absolute key piece of all of this, but right now, as Anthony Davis goes, so goes the Lakers. Correct. If he stays healthy through this series i think the lakers have it wrapped up i really do i i just think they're too talented all around and as good as the heat are i i don't think they can handle what the lakers are going to be bringing if ad is healthy so so what you're saying is that miami won't be able to handle the heat I, you know, I wasn't making a pun, but you can take it that way. I just had to. You just, you just, you just went ahead and made, like opened the door. I was like, oh, I got to go in that one. He who would pun would pick a pocket. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like you were driving by in that, you know, that van and you were offering me candy. And I was like, Ooh. you're not supposed to tell anybody about that. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I, I forgot. That's I forgot. Those are, those are the secret wrestling camp lessons. We can't win. <laughs> We can't tell them how we really met. <laughs> I forgot. I got to keep that one to myself. Um, in other sports news, another another uh, another team that's also making a championship run are the Los Angeles Doyers. 
The Doyers, baby. The Doyers, and they are going to be meeting up against the Milwaukee Brewers in Game One uh, of the of the of the um, of the of, well. I mean, I wouldn't call it the series. This is right at this point. It's going to be um, uh, it's the mini series, best of the wild card. Yeah, it's the wild card at this and point. Truthfully, these are the ones that always make me the most nervous because it's only because it's only a three game set this is baseball and anything can happen there's a reason why baseball's played out over a 162 game season usually so that the better teams come out on top in a short term you can get a swing of luck that can be devastating to a team you can have a great team lose two out of three during the season to a bad team that happens all the time so the shorter the series, the more nervous I am when it comes to baseball. Always. And right now they're they're putting in a they're actually the Milwaukee just uh, lost uh, uh, Corbin Burns and they they need to re- they need to replace him. They were scrambling to replace him, so they went ahead and replaced him with uh, with left-hander Brent Sutter. Uh, he's going to be starting in the first game against Los Angeles, so that's going to be a very interesting uh, interesting uh, uh, substitution. Well, they. Um... Milwaukee's coach is one of the more progressive, newer coaches, and they have a philosophy about pitching that he likes to go with an entire bullpen game. So he will start a player you've never heard of and only let him pitch two innings, and then he goes directly to his bullpen. Mm -hmm. And that's most likely what he'll end up doing in game one. So he'll pitch this kid. The kid's only going to get two innings or so. Then he's going to bring in another arm. They'll do an inning or two. He'll bring it. The guy likes to use six, seven, eight pitchers, which can be useful in the theory that you never get comfortable as a hitter against a pitcher. You know, the best hitters always by the second or third time they see a guy in the game, man, they're figuring out what he's doing. So they try and counter that by having different arms, different arms, different arms. But at the same time, that wears your team down, that wears your bullpen down. So the Milwaukee manager's known for doing this. Um, I think they've, they've estimated that he'll probably only have one actual full starting pitcher in the three game series and that he'll probably pitch two full bullpen squads in the other two games so it's a unique thing that you don't see from a lot of other teams um and we'll see how it plays out for him i i think uh you know everybody knows the dodgers are stacked top to bottom oh yeah they, they had one of the best bullpens in the league i think they were top two or three their pitching staff is pitching great and still hasn't even pitched to their potential. As I said last time, Cody Bellinger, last year's MVP, is just finding his swing. Mm-hmm. And we're still playing this well. Mookie Betts has had a top five season, one of the best players in the game. They are top to bottom stacked. You know, it's it's really going to be hard for teams to find a weakness. So unless they get unlucky, I really see this as a... Uh, opportune time for the Dodgers to rectify the injustices of the last few years. Oh yeah, most definitely. And and going back to going back to Sutter, I mean, uh, like you said, you know, he's he's pretty he's practically an unknown player at this point. I mean, he's only he's recorded just barely more than twelve outs. 
and 59 pitches this season. I mean, yeah, and he throws for like about he his 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 uh, speed is about in the mid 80s. Um, you know, and he was able to strike out 38 batters in 31 and two third innings this entire season. So, I mean, you know, he has a he he has a 3.13 ERA. So, I mean, this 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 kid is virtually fresh. Um, you know, and so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how he's going to be able to uh, handle the pressure of of this type of uh, this type of game, actually, because this is this is the this is a big stage at this point. And it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to be able to handle that pressure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but again, there's the trade off to that. He's an unknown quantity. And that can have its own benefits. Um, thankfully, the Dodgers have not been as bad about it recently. But over the years, the Dodgers have had a habit of underperforming against pitchers that they haven't seen before. And these are not pitchers at the top of their game. These are not up and coming phenoms. These are replacement pitchers who've come in to fill in for a guy who got injured and things like that. And the Dodgers have had a history of struggling hitting against those guys that they've never seen before. So again, there's pluses and minuses to it. If the kid can handle the pressure, you know, he might be able to be enough of a change up no pun intended, um, that, you know, maybe they can get something done. But we'll have to see. I mean, Dustin May, um, Walker Bueller, we all know what Clayton Kershaw can do. Oh, yeah. You know, that's going to be that's going to be tough for them to, uh, you know, match those arms. Well, definitely looking forward to see how what this series brings uh, to the Dodgers. And but I mean, you know, like we talked about it yesterday, we pretty much have faith. They're hungry. They're pissed from what happened. They're pissed of getting screwed over, uh, you know, during the World Series. And the Dodgers are playing with a purpose and their purpose is to win that championship and bring it back to Los Angeles. So who knows? We might see two championships here in L.A. Very possible. We'll see what happens. In other sports news, over the weekend, we saw that Israel Adesanya retained his title in U- in the in UFC 253 over uh, Paulo Costa. That was, man, that was a clinic that he put on, full of a barrage of kicks. And it was just, again, it was a clinic. But uh, one person who uh, was... <laughs> I should say slightly unimpressed is John Jones. Uh, and they've been taking shots at each other. Sonya and Jones have been pretty much, they don't, they don't like each other and they've been taking shots at each other. Um, uh, and right now Jones is still up in the air. I mean, when he announced that pretty much he was going from uh, from uh, fighting at lightweight to uh, to heavyweight, there was the chances of him and Adesanya meeting up uh, pretty much went out the window. That is up until uh, that is up until Jones decided to go on social media after you know shortly after Adesanya's win and say, "quote But what? You stepped into the ring over a hundred times now, and you're still not ready." You have a youth advantage and like four times the fighting experience. The truth is, you're already my puss. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I can't say that word. Uh, you, you love being undefeated and you've seen what's happened to everyone else. It raises your stock to mention my name. You're aware of this. You don't want real confrontation with me. I'm not going to just stand there and kickbox with you. I've been preparing for heavyweights right, right around now. I would r- literally tear one of your arms off. That's something that Jones wrote on Instagram. And let me tell you, 
Those are some pretty heated words towards the, the champ right now. And I don't know, that would actually be a really good fight to see because, I mean, you got, you got like, like Jones said, you have, uh, you know, Adesanya's youth versus Jones's massive experience and damn near undefeated streak. Well, <clears throat> you know my opinion. I'm not real impressed with Jones anymore just because we ain't seen anything. Yep. You know, he talks like he's still the baddest man on the planet because he's basically undefeated. I understand that. And I get where he's coming from with that. But he also hasn't fought seriously with any consistency in years. And that takes a toll on a fighter. When you are that out of practice, when you are that, I don't give a damn how good you were you are now fighting from a very disadvantaged point. And I'm sorry, but until he puts up or shuts up in the ring, he has no business trying to step to any of these guys right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, you know, it's, that's how I, I, yes, he proved stuff before he was amazing. That don't mean shit. Now that, you know, it's all about what have you done for me lately? in this, in this business, I mean, that's pretty much what it boils down to. And like you said, he hasn't done anything in years. The last, the last fight he had was against Dominic Reyes at UFC 247, and that one he won by decision. That's not saying much. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what Adesanya and Dana White decide to do on this. I personally, I mean, he's right now uh, trying to get up for to heavyweight. And Adesanya is in middleweight, the middleweight class right now. I mean, easily could go up to light heavyweight. I would love to see that fight, but again, like you said, it's it'll be you know it'll be uh, pretty much put up or shut up at this well, point. And the truth is, I would love to have John Jones prove me wrong. You know, I, I I love the guy as a fighter. He's had plenty of personal issues and so on, but I love the guy as a fighter. I do. But until he shows us that he still has something left in the tank, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear anything. Quit your talk, get in the ring with somebody, and show us you still got it. Otherwise, Agreed. I don't care. Agreed. So I guess we're just going to have to wait to see what happens. <laughs> because we literally have to wait to see what happens. Yep. We don't know what's going to happen yet. In other sports news, here comes our favorite topic, fantasy football. I mean, Yeah, baby. Folks, we're going to be talking about fantasy football all season long, so get used to it. <laughs> That's just the way it's going to go. Man, talk about a weekend full of surprises. I barely, 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 by the skin of my teeth, won my my uh, my uh, my uh, games this week, and it was all because of unexpected, you know, things that happened. Like this is what well, we talked about. We said it was going to be an unexpected year. We said unpredictability, unpredictability was yep. the word of the you know season, and we're seeing it already, man. The injury bug from guys being—I mean, people get injured. It's football. It's a violent sport. But seriously, the number of people that are dropping around the league is insane. And you have to imagine that not coming into shape or not coming into camp in the same shape with the same preparedness has had its effect. You have to believe that. And it's, it, you know, I mean, for you, 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 you took a pretty big hit this weekend. Well, dude, it was, I mean, again, this was my fluke loss for the season. You always get at least one. I mean, the guy 
that I'm playing was slated to get maybe 160 points. He had three of his top five draft choices injured, and the only guys he had to replace them were literal no-name nobodies. And each and every one of those three players gave him 40-plus fantasy points. He outscored his projections by over 100 points with no names so yeah just the absolute craziest fluke i've ever seen i mean this was you you know you plug in one no-name player and you might get some good points or whatever he had three guys go off and put up more points than almost anybody else at their position and nobody has a clue who these people are and nobody would have drafted them and these guys probably won't do anything else like that for the rest of the season but you know it happens it was one of those weeks and I was actually going to make mention of that because, like you said, it is a fluke. Um, these guys are fresh. These guys are put in there because, obviously, their main starters were injured or whatever have you. So they, they came in. They did the job. But will that last? That's yeah. the question. Because, I mean, you know, chances are they were going up against a team that didn't expect this out of them, uh, that weren't prepared for these type of players. They don't know who they are. The unpredictability factor also came into play. Uh, uh, it's that- like I always say, that's why I tell people, you know, especially this early on, don't be going crazy with your ad drops and all that kind of stuff. Because there's a reason you didn't draft these people in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because you saw them go off one week does not mean that they will do anything else. That's one of the reasons why, again, there's so much... That's one of the reasons why I always go with the pundits who suggest waiting on your wide receivers. Because you can always find a wide receiver against a weak matchup who's going to put up some big numbers for you. But it doesn't mean that's somebody you're going to want on your team the entire season. You know, people see these no-name type people do things like this, and they go, oh, well, this guy's not performing for me. I'm going to grab him. Well... If you wanted him, you would have taken him. Correct. Okay, there was a reason you didn't draft him. So you don't want to pull the trigger too early. It's not that you can't find diamonds in the rough, but you're only going to find one or two the whole season. So, you know, getting lucky and and I mean, it's not even because I lost. It's just literally just getting as lucky to have three no-name players outscore their projections by 300%. That's just not going to happen again. It was tough, and it was tough for you. It was a tough loss for you, and it was a nerve-wracking win for me. Are you kidding? I had to, I had to put up with you in your nervousness. I, dude, I me knew. Oh, God, what's going on? I didn't text you that much, you lying sack. <laughs> Come on, I didn't go that bad. Not Well, I mean, not as bad as I have in the past. I will admit that. There have been times that I would text you like, dude, man, why is this happening to me? You know, and then I win, and then afterward, you're like, dude, I told you you're going to be fine. <laughs> Usually, yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean this this week was a really crazy one for me. I mean, especially since like I I was I was projected to slaughter pretty much my opponent uh, this week, and uh, suddenly like out of nowhere, and and it's funny because my opponent kept on texting me and saying to me, uh, "Dude, you got this. I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose." And then we got to Monday, and we were pretty much neck and neck. I mean, we were literally like, he was not that far away as far as points were concerned behind me, or I think he was ahead of me, one of the two. And uh, yeah, no, he was ahead of me actually come Monday. And Monday, we still had two players that we had left. I had uh, Marquise Brown with uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, and he had uh, Travis Kelsey with Kansas City Chiefs. And I told him, I was like, dude, you might be beating me this week because you have Kelsey. That's that's Mahomes' go-to guy. 
you know, not to, not to say that uh, that uh, uh, that uh, you know that uh, the Baltimore, you know, like you know, they wouldn't go for uh, they wouldn't go for Marquise Brown. That Lamar wouldn't go for Marquise Brown, but still, it, it was one of those things where. It was unpredictable. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I go, Monday, we watched the game. Man, that was a bad game, too. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, it was so bad. I mean, you you have this incredibly talented, you know, quarterback. You have Lamar Jackson versus another talented quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. And Lamar just could not get a ball downfield to save his life. I mean, that Kansas City defense was a wall. They would not allow anything to get through. And it was just so hard to watch because, you know, I mean, this this is a performance that I don't think even Lamar Jackson expected. I mean, everybody expected him to, like, put up massive points or not massive points, but at least give him a game. This was this was not a game. This was literally, you know, an ass whooping. And uh, you know, you could tell in the in the facial expressions of Jackson after the game was over, he was disappointed in himself. I mean, he had he had so many opportunities to get the ball downfield. Uh, some of them were botched. Most of them were botched. I mean, he went ahead and threw to uh, Marquise Brown a total of five times. He connected with him two out of the five. That's that's not good, you know. And it was it, 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 it wasn't like completely uh, his fault, at least not for a couple of those. I mean, the defense was coming at him hard. He was being pressured a lot, so it was difficult for him to actually like get it downfield. But man, that was that was a game that was hard for me, and I was just I just kept on like texting my opponent i'm like i'm like dude you see that you see i told you i told you i told you until finally it was over i was like dude i barely won okay don't feel bad i barely won i was supposed to like beat you completely but i barely won this one so yeah this entire weekend was a complete crazy weekend yeah it was nuts and it's gonna continue that way all season man um that's like i said that's why I drafted the way I did. That's why you drafted the way you did. I mean, all we did was draft with an eye towards unpredictability and having enough backups and depth to be able to withstand this. So, I mean, that's what you and I talked about. That's why we did it this way. And, you know, I I, I don't see how anybody can get through this season without having some major shakeups. And that's that's exactly what we're gonna end up seeing, <laughs> you know, uh, in this entire in this entire season is major shakeups. I mean, we were even talking about Minnesota. Look look what happened with yeah. Minnesota right Lee now. Minnesota having to shut down their practice facility and the Houston Texans having a team wide false positive test where they had like fifteen players test positive and it turned out they were all false positives. So I mean, unpredictability. It's and that's and that and well, like like we said it before, we'll say it again. That's the name of the season, unpredictability. At this point, I mean, I gotta I gotta ask you though. I mean, at this point, you know, again, I, I go to my fantasy uh, football expert, Mister Jeremy Miller, right here. As fantasy owners go, you know, especially right now with with what's going on. I mean, what what do you suggest for them to do uh, coming into uh, you know, what, like we're going into week four now. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest for them to do at this point? 
Well, we're coming up to the bye weeks here, and with injuries, things are going to get a little sparse. So uh, right now, I'll tell you, for anybody out there, get on your waiver wires right now and start looking at who you can pick up. Look at depth. If you did not draft for depth to start, you need to be looking at it now. Because if you have any injuries on your team, we got bye weeks coming up, and you're going to have a hard time filling out your roster. And right now, there are not a lot of running backs who can actually provide you points available in most leagues. So that would be my biggest recommendation right now. You're coming up to the buys. Get yourself some depth right now. Make a trade. Do what you have to do. But you're going to find yourself in a hurting position sometime over the next six weeks or so. If, you know, with these injuries coming up, with a bye week, with, you know, it, it can really brutalize the team. So I was lucky, haven't been decimated by the injury bug. I've had some hard hits, um, but, you know, thankfully I drafted for depth and I have enough decent backups that I can fill in and hopefully still get the win. If you didn't do that beforehand, you better start doing it right now or you can pretty much kiss your season goodbye. Agreed. Agreed. And you you mentioned the key word there. Hopefully get a win. <laughs> I play you next week. That's a guaranteed win. Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Okay. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk about that the week after. In that's two sure weeks. Like, yeah, yeah, in two weeks. We'll talk about how how much, uh, you know. How you much lost. you lost. No, how, how much you lost. No, no, no. How much you yeah. lost. <laughs> in your dreams, baby. In your dreams. Hey, my dreams always come true, baby. All right. That's why you're here. See? Ah. Ah. Yeah, well, I also spank you in your dreams, and it's happening again. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next in video game news, Call of Duty gets a brand new DLC. It's season six, and we'll talk a little bit about the details of the new DLC for Call of Duty, along with a lot of the players are getting banned Finally, a lot of cheaters are getting banned uh, from playing Call of Duty. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Chef Sean's remix of No Name featuring Jeremiah right here on The Sander Effect. I split now and down my lane. I should've never be the same. She said she love me now, it's looking like I'm powder. Used to say she quite impressed, I guess that's just how she was brought up. Yeah, she like Prada, she like Gucci, she like Finn. She run my bag, she poppin' tags, she hit my stash until it's empty. Now we pull up drippin' while she trippin', talkin' bout some hoes. I ain't got to mention, but I got the shit she needs to eat. I like them black girls, white girls, Spanish girls. The ones with big butts, big hair, and big curls. Tight thought back in love to smash girls. Talking like sex with me with two girls, but I still slang B. Like I still go, it is still one thing that I don't know what her name is. I'm still trying to figure what her name is. Name is, I'm still trying to figure what her name is. Tell her love your business. Ain't nobody else's business. That's the reason they don't know my name. I don't even come around your block. I don't hang around no us. It's the reason they don't know. 
off, no cap, not trying to juice myself. Run around streets with you, not trying to lose myself. Run around streets with heat, not trying to shoot myself. Run around strap with pole, not trying to hurt nobody. Pull up real smooth with dope, just trying to work the party. Find a real chick, she cool, she turn up to the party. Find a real chick, she smooth, ain't trying to hurt nobody. She a real chick, she smooth, ain't trying to hurt nobody. Black girls, white girls, Asian girls. The ones with big butts, big hair, and big curls. Tight to throw it back in love to smash girls. Tight to like sex with me with two girls. But I still slang D. Like I still dope. It is still one thing that I don't know what her name is. I'm still trying to figure what her name is. Name is. I'm still trying to figure what her name is. I don't want no problems, but I know you got Lambo, keep it low, low, low. I'm just trying to fuck. Can you keep me up? Don't tell me it's too much for us. It's the same cheap. That's all for the goat. And it's just one thing. Ain't more real, no. I got that work, work. That make a quick that Told me to sit back. Got it like six flags. I know my big neck. You're the type to tell all of your business. Ain't nobody else's business. That's the reason they don't know my name. The voice of ASET, you bet! From I, the Somnium Files, and you're listening to The Xander Effect. Sometimes I feel the need to wrap my mind around things. It all feels like a dream. I wonder what it all means. Sometimes Try not to rewind Slowing down does just fine Stop and take a look from another perspective Is it what you expected? Make the call, manifest it You're suffering Find a woe we hide And see that life is but a dream Wake up, wake up, wake up Wake up, wake up Wake up, wake up, wake up Wake up, wake up
Xander Effect. In video game news, Call of Duty Modern Warfare has released season six of its DLC, and it's it's a pretty big one. Uh, we're talking about 57, I can't even talk right now. We're talking about 57 gigabytes uh, at, uh, on the Xbox One, uh, which is 25.5 gigabytes on PC. And uh, it has a lot of uh, really cool stuff that is included in this one. Uh, we There's map changes. We have a subway fast travel uh, that's going to that's included in this um as far as uh there's there's new modes weapons and war tracks uh there's an armored royale mode uh you know there's a new weapon pickups uh licensed war tracks uh as far as the multiplayer there's also going to be uh you know as season six the new maps for multiplayer are station uh that's for the gunfight map uh broadcast which is for the six v six map tank factory also for the six v six and ten v ten map uh verdansk Riverside, and that's for ground uh, ground war. That's for the ground war map. Uh, also, in uh, the new modes for season six, you have kill streak confirmed mode, gun game TDM mode, team deathmatch mode, uh, headquarters firefight mode, hardpoint hills and kills mode, trials and officer challenge ribbons. Uh, and again, you know, of course, season six couldn't be, you know, it couldn't be uh, complete without its, of course, battle pack. Uh, you know, you have your instant unlocks, you have new weapons, new unlocks, tier 100 unlocks. And it's just, you know, it, it also can't, comes with the Undead Forces. It's a zombie bundle, which, of course, they're putting this in there because, you know, as we know, uh, the new Call of Duty Cold War is going to be out next month. So, uh, you know, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is teasing for the brand new uh, for the brand new game that's going to be coming out. So looking forward to that. Uh, what's really cool about uh, what's going on with this new uh, DLC is that uh they, uh, the the um, looks like Activision is actually cracking down on uh, on on cheaters 
on Call of Duty, which is about time because there's a lot of them, uh, especially they're, they're mostly, and I don't want to speak talk out of place here, but they're mostly coming from PC uh, from what I've seen so far. But so far, Activision has reportedly banned around 20,000 cheaters uh, as soon as uh, the Season 6 update began, which is freaking awesome. This is amazing. That's really cool to see. I mean, it's obviously been happening more and more and more. Uh, recently, a major streamer on on COD um, actually got caught live on their stream yeah. with a uh, auto-aim screen up on their computer. Yep. And again, PC. See, you just said it right there. It's PC. It's money. Mainly it's PC, guys, because they know how to hack through the computers a lot quicker than it would on on gaming systems. So they're using the computer to go ahead and cheat. And they used a, a, a website called Engine Owning. Uh, it's called the Engine Owning website. And uh, now Activision is banning anybody that's a part of that website. Uh, and it's pretty much calling it detected. And now back in April, they banned over 50,000 accounts. And so it's, 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 you know, and the, the streamer that you're talking about, his name is Nick Magnificent Wagner. <laughs> Interesting name. But yeah, like you said, actually the one I saw, the one I saw was female. So that's what I oh, mean. There's, there's, there's a new one. There's, there's, a, there's been, another one. No, I think that one's even a little further. I think the girl was a little further back, but that's what I mean. This has become rampant. Because it's funny that you said that it was that she got banned during live stream. Because this guy got banned during his live stream too. So that's why I thought you were talking about him. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. This has become a rampant problem. I mean, if if people are getting busted live on their streams, I mean, it's obviously an issue. And you know what though? Like my bottom line is this: I get crap all the time because I'm a quote camper when it comes to multiplayer. On 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 uh, Warzone, I'm all over the place because it's such a broad map, and I love playing Plunder, which basically that game mode is that you have to collect as much money as you possibly can, more than the other team to come up, you know, to 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 place in the top five. And my team usually places in the top five. Uh, the best one that we got was was uh, we came in second place most of like you know once, but most of the time we place anywhere between fourth and fifth but um yeah it's one of those things where where i get crap. between fourth and fifth yeah, is there well, a number between four and five i hate you um i, I really hate you that for pointing that out so anyways anyways <laughs> i can't stand you sometimes anyways no so what happened was it um what happened was that uh you know when it when it comes to that like people were giving me crap for being a camper and basically what that means is that I stay in one place, wait for my opponent to show up, then I then I shoot him. Then, you know, I get the kill. But, you know, and people hated me for that because I'm really good at camping. I know so many different spots, especially when it comes to sniping. Like, I'm just, I'm really good at it. And I, dude, at the end of the game, you can hear the other side saying, damn, camper, F this, I hate you. Why didn't you get up and play the game and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I am playing the game. It's just, that's the tactic that I have. You know, you're just pissed because my tactic kept on killing you. <laughs> so get over it. Um, and that's just that's just something that I get crap for. But here's the thing. I get crap for that. 
And yet there are cheaters. There are people that are doing worse things than I am on there. I mean, I remember playing when 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 Modern Warfare first came out. Uh, I remember starting to play the multiplayer, and there was one point I, I didn't even realize that we had crossplay until probably two weeks into the, the the game's release. And when I figured that out was because I was in the middle of a multiplayer when I kept on killing or, or trying to kill this one player, and he wouldn't die. I would unload an entire freaking like two or three clips on this dude, and he wouldn't die. And he was trolling me to make matters worse. He was following me, kind of getting in front of me, like, "Haha, you can't kill me." And one shot, boom, he kills me. And I'm just like, dude, come on. This is this is blatant cheating. And the thing is, you couldn't report them because they were PC players. And I'm like, dude, if like I stopped playing crossplay after that. I mean, the only reason why I play crossplay is because of Warzone. That's the only game mode where you can't, you don't have a choice. You have to play crossplay. Uh, and crossplay pretty much means that you can play on different uh, against people from different platforms, PS4 and PC. So mm-hmm. that's that's actually pretty cool about that. But at the same time, you get these PC players that are cheating. They are majorly cheating, and that's not fair. If you're going to cheat, why even buy the game? Why even bother playing the game if you're going to cheat? That's I've, just I, I've never understood that. It's like cheating in golf. You're playing against yourself. What the hell are you cheating for? You know, I mean, it, it makes no sense. It doesn't make you a good the, player. No, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's unfortunately these... <laughs> rather sad people who have to you know this is the only achievement they have in their lives so they have to do whatever they can to make themselves look good i mean mean, that really is it it's it's there's no accomplishment to it they just want to be up at the top of the leaderboard so they could say look how badass i am yeah they want to be legends in their own mind yep yeah, it's 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 ridiculous because it's like it's like seriously, you you need to you need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> you really do. Because at the end of the day, the only the only champion is the one in your head. Because you're you're really a nobody. When you cheat, you're a nobody. I mean, you're 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 practically, you know, getting a win that wasn't deserved. I'm a, I'm a, I when it comes to these games, I'm pretty I'm I'm semi-competitive. And I like to I like the feeling of accomplishment when I've accomplished a win, when I've accomplished legitimate kills. Regardless if I camp or not, it doesn't matter because I still get the kills, but I get them legitimately. Mm-hmm. You know, it may piss you off, but that's just the way I play my game because I bought it to, to, you know, for my style. You know, but I don't cheat. That's the thing. I don't cheat. I manipulate and I and I figure out ways to to benefit my 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 tactics, but I don't cheat the system. To the point where, oh, I got God mode, so I right. can go out there and start killing people. That's that's, that's a, there's a big difference. That defeats the purpose of the game. That defeats the purpose of the competition. I've, I've never understood the purpose of exploiting bugs or hacking games and things like that. Like you said, point of buying the game is for the competition of it, the fun. What what joy do you get out of beating a game when you cheat it? I mean, it, it makes no sense. I never. I mean, it's like the cheat codes. My friends all when the cheat codes on in Nintendo and all yeah. that stuff was big my friends were all into that I wouldn't do it I didn't care the only cheat code I ever used was the go directly to Tyson thing in oh, yeah. Tyson punch out because <laughs> I had already beaten everybody else so often I didn't want to sit through the damn game I just wanted to get to Mike <laughs> but otherwise I refused to do it because to me it was like what was the point great i put in a cheat code now i just blow through the game easily well, yeah. why did the hell did i get it in the first place then yep i agree and and i mean i 
I hate to admit it, but I did use cheat codes. And that was only because the times I used cheat codes was when I would get frustrated with the game. I'm like, okay, I've had it. Now I'm really gonna go, now I'm really pissed. Give me the cheat code. You know, that's about the only time that I actually use it. But for the most part, I actually like, I just wanted to play the game. I wanted to like, you know, have that sense of accomplishment. And that's the thing is that, but it's gone beyond cheat codes now. It's gone to the point where you're just manipulating the entire system. Well, like you and, said, it's become hacking. I mean, that's exactly. really what it's become. Exactly. And it's just, it's an annoyance because it's not fair to the rest of us. You know, we're trying to play the game. We bought the game and it's not fair. So I'm, well, I'm for super... me, I mean, the fairness, yes, that's a pain in the ass. But considering, you know, you're not playing this for money and it's not, you know, you're not competition level pro at this. To me, what it screws up is the community. Mm -hmm. These games are built around community. That's the truth. I mean, these online communities of multiplayer games, it's all built around the community. And you're you're depriving and taking away from that community when you're allowing cheaters to be in there. So I think it ruins the feel. It makes people not want to play the game. Yep. You get people dropping out. You get people, it, it ruins the community. And that's the biggest problem with it. There's many reasons why I also stopped playing Grand Theft Auto for a long time, because you had these hackers come in that bought their their uh, their uh, their uh, KG their their or the the win loss ratio thing or whatever, um, and it, it just wasn't right. You had these guys like I'm at a 1.25, uh, you know, uh, uh, kill to death ratio or KD. That's what it is, kill to death ratio. Uh, I'm at a 1.25 on GTA. There was guys that I saw in there that were at 1,000.98. Mm-hmm. No way are you that good. There's no way you're that good. You know, I'll admit the top, the, the most legitimate one that I've seen is probably at a 5.0 and that was legit. But come on, you go like I, I face this guy that I would unload and he wouldn't and he wouldn't die. One shot, he'd kill me. I'm like, dude, that's not fair. That's not right. You guys are hacking. We would report them. You know, but it's. Gl I'm glad to see that something's you know, finally being done about exactly, it. Exactly, that people like that, that companies like Activision are actually taking charge and are actually banning these cheaters because they it's deserve about it. Time. Exactly. I mean, we needed that, and I'm glad they're doing it. So, you know, but again, Call of Duty Season Six is out there right now. Go ahead and check it out. I'm definitely going to go ahead and play that later this afternoon. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Jeremy. Uh, as usual. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You love me, Biatch. <laughs> I'm going to see how much I love you after. Well, let's see after, how much after, I love you. After let's I see it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Five. Let's see it. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see how much love we have for each other after week five. <laughs> how about that? You know, we'll go ahead and see that. Don't count your chickens yet, Buster. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're still, we still got to see what happens. My taco bye week in week five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god taco <laughs> i love that show in, in case you guys don't know that's a reference to the to the the old television show not the old television show but the former television show the league love that show you guys got to go ahead and binge watch it. it's on hulu right now so make sure if you have hulu go check it out hilarious it pretty much defines fantasy football players to the t 
damn near. Oh yeah, it's if even if you are not a fan of fantasy football, it is a show you will love. It is hysterical, and again, it is more about the people who play than the actual playing of fantasy football, and it is just brilliantly funny. Agreed, agreed. And as always, make sure uh, you know we're still in a pandemic right now, folks. So make sure you continue to wear your masks, you continue to social distance, you continue to wear your goggles if you got them, your gloves if you got them, hand sanitizers you know practice personal hygiene you know basic hygiene and you know just be 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 safe out there you know respect one another and make sure you watch each other's back this is one world we're all in this together and remember music always always heals all we'll see you next time Yo, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i was like open them up yeah. so they see something that's open them up the Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., Sony Music The Orchard, and DMG Bertelsmann, in association with Art19 Media.